Let's go. What's going on, people? Welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Luke here, and today with me, I have Jimmy, Paul, and special guest Danny, aka Fate of the Internet. Today, we will be giving a review summary and reactions to the controversial Snyder Cut of the Justice League that just came out recently. We are very excited to have Danny here with us, as he is a phenomenal commentator on all things nerdy, the Bingetown specialty. Go give him a follow on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. We'll have all the socials linked in the podcast description below. Also, I have to give a shout out to our boy Jason Diaz, a.k.a. Levitt from the CW's The 100, for giving us the idea to do a collaboration on the Snyder Cut. With that being said, we are happy to have Danny with us today, so let's get right into dissecting the Justice League. So what's up, guys? We're here. We just all watched the Snyder Cut for Justice League. And I don't know about you guys, but right off the bat, I absolutely loved it compared to the original. Absolutely. Definitely agree on that one. Yeah, I loved it. And I'm coming from a point of view, I did not see the original Justice League. So all I saw was the Snyder Cut. And I was interested because a lot of people said the original Justice League didn't hold up as well. And I freaking loved the Snyder Cut. I thought it was great. I also don't have too much of a background in DC. So I'll be like the average type fan POV. But from what I know, I loved what I saw. It was Mm -hmm. just so cool. Yeah, I'm definitely more of a Marvel guy, so I know a lot more with the Marvel stuff compared to the DC stuff. I'm also not a huge Snyder fan. I was always fine with his stuff, but it never really wowed me. You know, I was a huge fan of the Watchmen reading it, you know, and then when it came to the movie, I, I enjoyed it, but I thought it was a little bit too long, a little bit. There, I, I always just thought, you know, when it came to Snyder, I never got wowed by anything, but this I really, really enjoyed. I you really sleeping I, on a uh, sucker punch. I actually have not seen Sucker Punch. So. Sucker Punch isn't bad. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely like, you know, obviously one of those movies that you wouldn't think gets received well, but that's a fan favorite of mine. Personally, I'm, a, I'm on the same level as Jimmy where I'm way more Marvel headed and I have seen every single DC movie though. So like I totally get the entire continuation of the DC, you know, uh, cinematic universe. And I wasn't a huge fan of the cu- first couple Supermans themselves, but I think Snyder took a lot of influence from the criticisms that was going on around, around the internet. And he just, I think he learned from it. And I think he did a really good job here. So I, I just loved it. So me with DC, I haven't read a bunch of DC comics. I'm a big Green Lantern fan though. Mm-hmm. I think that they have like really cool lore, like their color spectrum is really dope. Uh, but from a just general type of thing, I don't really read them that much, but I grew up and my dad was huge into DC. And so that's kind of where I get my love for DC from more from him. Mm-hmm. And having seen the original and then seeing this one, honestly, the, the thing that really helped was showing how context really allows for a film to really feel fulfilled and and fleshed out and i think that's part of that and you know additional scenes but that really helped to make the film i think work for me as opposed to the original yeah exactly what you said right there i think the fleshed out part of this four hour movie is what really made it shine because i cannot believe what uh josh whedon right i cannot believe what he cut from the side from the yeah okay yeah sorry from wait, the, I thought, wait, did you say Josh or Josh? I did. I did say Josh. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if it's Joss or Joss, but it's definitely not Josh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably just Jos. Yeah. 
I just think him making the decisions to cut all the flash and cyborg background is what hurt the original so much. Like Paul, since you haven't seen the original, basically anything you see with cyborgs background, the football story, his mom, I don't even think is in the original at all. Like you get nothing on cyborg. Joe's went in there and cut it all. And then even the Barry scenes, the, the flash, like his intro scene was different. A couple things are similar there, but it, it's just crazy how much, how long some of the, the setup that, Snyder decided to re-include went for this. This version, this iteration of Cyborg was out of like all of the ones that I've seen was definitely the most like somber and like more quiet compared to like the wisecrack and Cyborg that I was used to from like Teen Titans. <laughs> but that background, I mean, it makes sense. I can't believe that they were even able to put him in there without the background because then that just makes no sense. And then you have the sad cyborg for no reason. Well, it's like, dude, why are you sad? You have all these super cool powers. Yeah. Well, that's why nobody liked the old, the other justice league. Yeah. This one was, uh, it definitely shined given cyborg his actual, I mean, he's such an important part of the story mm-hmm. and especially this one and not having that background in the original justice league movie was awful for him. I guess I'm just not used to it, but this was a little bit more cyborg and like less actual skin than I'm used to. Is he more like this in the comics where he's almost like 90% uh, robotic? From my experience, it's been kind of depends on the run that, that you're looking at really. In the most popular one that I've been reading, he's a lot of, you know, machine, but not nearly as much as this. This had him just like barely human almost. And so it was kind of, it was kind of interesting to see him from that uh, style. Cause I, I saw the same thing and I was like, oh man, he is very much robotic. They're leaning heavy into that. And obviously the mother box played a role in how much, you know, of that cyborg type we want to have him to be, but yeah, it was interesting. So to add on to that and the, not to skip ahead and spoiler alert, if you're watching it in that way, but in the very end after flash goes back in time and you see cyborg basically regenerate backwards you they they put an emphasis on the fact that you do see his brain and his face come back being the skin i think you also see part of his heart which i think is a, supposed to be an important part of cyborg is there's his human heart is still there or at least part yeah. of it is yeah and like danny was saying and to your question paul it really does depend on the run for a lot of characters with comics you know the writer and the artist change to make them look however they want as long as it stays within i guess the higher ups, as long as the higher ups are okay with it. Did they have the recording of Cyborg's father, like telling him what his powers are in the original? Because if they didn't, then it's like, what the hell? Because this is the most overpowered Cyborg I've seen too. Like this is ridiculous. The fact that he can just hack anything basically with the effort of a thought, like that's insane. I've never heard those powers before. So when this was like a thing, I was like, Oh wow. He's, he's, he's a living computer. Essentially. This is, it felt like a kind of like a brainiac or a, a, you know, random bad guy who can just surf through all internet and technology, you know? I mean, it's like Jarvis. Yeah. Yeah, In human form. It sounded like he honestly like appreciated machines. Like I thought he was going to start like kissing the ship. When he was saying, like, oh, like, it wants to fly. Like, he's listening to it. Like, it's all sexy as seen. All sexy as seen. Yeah, when the ship starts flying up. That's like the deep in the boys, you know, (laughs) him and the dolphin. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right. So, we're going to, you know, we're going to keep dissecting as we go along, but I think we just jump right into part one and we'll keep fleshing out our thoughts as we go. So part one is called Don't Count on It, Batman. And then the quick summary points of this part are we do see 
basically Bruce Wayne going around trying to recruit the Justice League together, you know, to start getting the ball rolling here. He gets rejected by Aquaman in this part. We have a little bit of background with Martha Kent showing that she loses her farm in Smallville. Uh, we see Steppenwolf have the epic Amazonian fight where he gets the first mother box. And I also think we get the, the Wonder Woman introduction bank scene here too. And that's pretty much the whole setup in the beginning of the movie. No flash and no cyborg yet. But what'd you guys think of part one? Do you think it started strong or you think it was, you know, how'd you feel? It was a lot of scenic shots of mountains for the first 10 minutes. <laughs> like I, I understand that it was the artistic shot. And by the way, what do you guys, how do you feel about the four, three, um, screen format. Do you like that? Honestly, so, I don't. I was gonna say I. So I'm a film student, uh, and so I I watch a lot of stuff in four three anyway. So it didn't bother me. Um, but at the same time, there was a part of me because I was watching on my big screen. You know, mm -hmm. I got a 65 inch, and I was like, it would be really cool if I could see this thing take up like the full picture. Uh, but from an IMAX standpoint, I th I think it'd be interesting. Did he explain the reasoning behind his vision of four three just to make it more? you know, comic, almost like a comic book panel, or was it just, Hey, this is what I want. And I, think I heard it was cool. just for IMAX. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. That yeah, was Paul, that. You're right, man. There were so many beautiful scenes here. I loved the whole Amazonian scene. Uh, Paul, since you don't know, a lot of that scene did happen in the original, except I don't even know. He, he kind of butchered it a little bit though, because I think Steppenwolf, if you haven't looked at what he looked like in the original, you should Google that image because it's completely <laughs> different. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. He looks like a goof. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's memes all over the place, Paul. Dude, he looked so cool with like his kinetic moving armor. Mm -hmm. And he looked terrifying, honestly. He looked like some out of Halo. Yeah, yeah. No, you definitely look that up because the changes they I'm made for him here. are better. And also, Danny, you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't the whole plot point in the, in the original that Steppenwolf was like a son of the amazonians or something like that wasn't he using weird dialogue where he was calling her mother or am i making that up so from from what i remember it's been years since i've seen this film yeah, me too. that that was kind of the connection for it it definitely wasn't making him seem like he was like the person before the guy mm -hmm. in, in the last one it felt like it, it was a smaller scale story for steppenwolf so his his motivation wasn't hyper clear or anything like that beforehand and he he just the CGI around him just looks better. The way he swings his axe, like the colors around it, just it just looks so much better. And if mm -hmm. also, Paul, like the first one was notorious for having sort of kitty television lighting where it didn't seem as dark. Everything was brightened up. The tension felt more real in this version. And I just think all the decisions that they made, especially in this early part, there was a lot of similarities with the original movie, but I just think everything made it better. I can't remember what you said. Did you say you have or you haven't seen Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman? I have not seen any DC movies besides Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, what was it, 1984, mm -hmm. and Aquaman. So Wonder Woman and Aquaman are the ones worth seeing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're sweet. But um, basically, you know, what I heard happen and I read happened was that after the fan backlash from Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman, especially saying it was too dark. I mean, Snyder is usually darker in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, Watchmen, Watchmen's a dark story. It was darker with movies as well. DC freaked out pretty much. They're just like, the people are going to hate this if it stays dark. I mean, I actually just read that going on with the Nightmare storyline. He had a first version of Justice League written before Dawn of Justice was even was even filmed. And then that they scrapped right away and they were like, this is way too dark. 
And then he had the Snyder cut made. And then even that, you know, after, you know, the unfortunate events that made him leave. And then they came in with weed and they were like, lighten this shit up, please. And <laughs> <laughs> like Luke was saying, it looked bad. It was obvious that it was two different visions in one movie. It just looked like it was just two things scrambled together right. and it didn't come out well. And I mean, you could tell that they were trying to like kind of follow that lighthearted nature because right after all those complaints, you had like Shazam come out and yeah. that they were like really pushing, you know, all the comedy and whatnot. But I will say that there's a lot of when you're just bringing up comedy itself, there's a lot of cringy dialogue in the first one, Paul. Oh, yeah. And they made Bruce Wayne geeky. I don't know. It was yeah. weird. I didn't like His... him. I didn't buy him being a leader. Not one of his one-liners hit. Yeah. Not one. They were all just like, ugh, every time he did it. I mean, even Superman had a few in his scenes, and it's just like, no way. I mean, they was pretty bad, too. Yeah. The Flash was pretty much the same character, just turned up to 11, because they were like, this is our only actual natural comedy guy, so let's make him as comic as we can. Even in the Snyder Cut, I found myself thinking he was going just a little bit too. I mean, I mean, that's his character. So I guess that what it is, but like, I mean, he coming down the bat cave and he's screaming like, Whoa, this is so cool. Like, all right, dude, turn well, it down the, a little bit. Again, the funny part about me not knowing, like I've read a lot of DC stories, meaning like in the comics, I've read certain things like uh Christ on infinite earth, uh, however many iterations, just trade paperbacks here and there, killing joke, obviously things like that. But not much with Flash at all. So I don't even know if that's like Danny, you could tell me, is is that really Flash's personality in the comics, like being that fanboyish slash funny comic relief? Yeah, honestly, it depends on on the run uh, and in which flash you get. Uh, yeah. But Barry Allen, yeah, there there's been some um, <laughs> there's been some really funny Barry Allen moments. He so he's kind of got that just because the idea is like fast talker. He's the one that's going to easily be that comedic relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like to your point though, when I was watching this version, I was just kind of like, okay, his jokes are a little bit eh, for me. Like they didn't all hit, but I think that's part of the reason why the length of the movie worked in its favor because. I kind of got used to it over time. Yeah. So then like towards the end, I was like, okay, yeah, I can handle that. The one thing I do want to say and, and ask you guys your opinion since we're jumping all over the place is this movie was four hours and I think it worked because it was four hours. But if he had to actually cut it to be his vision, but two and a half hours, do you think it still would have worked? Because an hour and a half is a lot to cut. I mean, there's definitely some filler in that, but I feel like you needed the full four hours because I think one of the, the biggest problems with DC Universe in general is that they saw what Marvel was doing and they're like, we need to get this Justice League done ASAP. So they're like, let's throw in Aquaman here. They threw in the Dawn of Justice, pretty much all of them, right? A quick Aquaman, a quick Flash and a quick Wonder Woman. Cyborg. Yeah, Cyborg too. So they re- really didn't get their own individual movies. They didn't take their time to actually introduce us to these characters. And then they're just like, all right, let's make this happen. Now for the original Justice League, didn't do anything for me this four-hour movie by the end of the movie i thought it was deserved that they're all together as the justice league yeah you felt you know? like you were getting some origin stories baked into yeah. the beginning of this and that's why the parts for me worked well and i will never complain about more material like i don't i'll never complain that something's four hours i don't care i'll cut it up and watch it in multiple sittings i just love more information and i just think yeah it, it paid off yeah, I'm just saying because you know that if this actually was if it went the way that Snyder expected it to 
and it was released without Whedon's influence, they would have made him cut it to at least two and a half hours, maybe three. I think I could see a situation where this was a three hour film and they treated it kind of like Marvel treated Civil War, where it was like a backdoor pilot almost for Spider-Man and Black Panther. Because if you do a really good job at introducing these guys in a team up film that we've already seen, it's like, oh, well, what happened with their stories? You know yeah. what I mean? And so, but I do think that this probably could have hit three hour mark and still retained a lot of what made it great. Um, I think there were some scenes that could have been shortened, uh, some slow-mo <laughs> that could have just been yeah. like normal yep. speed. You know what I mean? I mean, they loved, I was just going to say that they loved the slow-mo even when it wasn't Flash. Yeah. So many fight scenes had the slow-mo in it. But like you're saying, there there were some scenes that definitely felt a little bit too long, but because the time wasn't an issue, he just probably let it go. And one of these happens in this first part with Aquaman, his entire introduction, Paul, it was like four minutes in the first one where here it's at least 10 to 15, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought he did a much better job. Him walking over the hills. Uh, it, honestly, it, it spent like five minutes just of the shots of him like walking with his mule. But I guess I kind of emphasized how difficult the tr- journey actually was. And especially when he gets there, the Icelandic fisherman's like, dude, like, what do you mean that's impossible? He couldn't have just walked through. There's a storm coming. So it did, it did benefit it in a lot of ways. But I can see how if like it's in one sitting – you're like, dude, like, come on. I've seen the hill once. I don't need to see it 15 that song times. didn't really seem necessary either. Dude, okay. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> what was that? They just have a, they wrote a Icelandic, like, folk song about Aquaman. And they just sing it whenever he leaves. Like, that I, was I so it. strange. And she just, like, sniffs his shirt. Yeah, Jason Momoa's hot. But, like, come on. <laughs> hey, man, he brings them food. He saves their asses. The least he deserves is a song every time he leaves. He needs an <laughs> intro and an outro song when he when he leaves. Get a better outro song. That sounded like a funeral, though. I totally forgot that happened. I think I blocked it out. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I mean, the DC Universe executives must be thanking whatever they believe in that they – got jason momoa as aquaman because he is the freaking man and he makes aquaman so cool when most people i guarantee would not like aquaman at all oh definitely i was saying that earlier when i was watching it to emily i was like dude like aquaman used to be family guy joke lines like that was that was a punchline it was like hey like stop it like i'll throw a starfish at you but now with jason momoa like you can't do that i mean unless it's vincent chase dude i'm not down i don't know Chase can be Aquaman. I don't know. Entourage is pretty good, but I don't know if you would make it as Aquaman. Yeah. The, the end of part one, what you said was the bang scene with Wonder Woman. I've seen both Wonder Womans, and it was ridiculous. I'm not doing sexy scenes. No, no, I, I, I just thought you said that. For a second, I thought you said the bang scene with Wonder Woman, and I was like, did no. I miss something? <laughs> no, the bang scene. I don't remember her being that quick. That was awesome, though, seeing her literally just run through and deflect mm-hmm. all of every single bullet. But at the same time, it was like while he was reloading, and she was slowly walking up to him, enough for him to like get off two more shots. It's like, all right, you were just able to block all those bullets and now you're gonna slowly walk out to them come on gal the super but. speed thing is very hard to write and to yep. put in cinema because we talked about it for wandavision with evan peters how it was weird that monica rambo was able to throw him down after we had just seen him whoop her ass with his speed and it's also tough to figure out even with the boys we brought this up like obviously the flash and i guess you know superman 
can be are comparable, but then everyone else is supposed to be slower than the Flash. But they all technically, if they have superpowers, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, they all have super speed compared to normal people, but not compared like to the Flash or Superman. So you have to you have to like figure out how to make that work on screen. Yeah, stuff. Like, it's kind of like like cars. You know what I mean? Like what your zero to sixty is. And so, yeah. like, if you put Superman and the Flash at the end of that, everyone has to fall in between. So you got to kind of make it clear that she's not like his level, you know. And they do a good job of it later in the film when the Flash, it, it's when they're in the sewers and Wonder Woman's diving for her sword. Right. And she's going, you know, everything's pretty slow motion. Barry's running around the, the sewer pipe and he gets to it. And when he even pushes the sword towards her. And like the sword hits her hand, she grasped it really quick. And that alone is incredibly fast. It's just nothing compared to Superman and Barry. I liked this opening bank scene better than I liked her mall saving scene in 1984. I think this one was a lot more effective at showing her speed and just her ability to, you know, handle situations where a lot is going wrong all at once. Okay. So now we can move on to part two, the age of heroes. And a lot goes down here. And this is still pre-Cyborg and Flash starting to get their backstories. So in this part, we have a lot of Bruce and Alfred conversations going on. We have the Amazonians doing the badass shooting of the fire arrow to warn Diana that the war's here. We have Cyborg just brooding in his room, basically <laughs> saying, like, fuck you to his dad. And then one of my favorite parts of the movie is the, like, epic battle scene of when dark side came the first time i was just on the edge of my seat i just loved everything about that but let's hit the first couple points first and then we can end on this so bruce and alfred like they're talking right in the beginning about just planning these are the kind of conversations you would expect to be happening from a human like batman who's trying to pull together these powerful entities to protect earth very similar to the avengers and alfred's just kind of the, the voice of reason trying to make it a little bit more rational making sure that Bruce knows what he's doing and he's not overstepping. Something that I like about this is how much chemistry that Ben Affleck and this Alfred had. Mm-hmm. I Since I hadn't seen like an older Batman with an Alfred that was similar in age to him before, uh, it was really interesting to see them kind of talk to each other as equals and like figure out, hey, what's the plan? How are we going to do this? And especially with Bruce kind of leading this hope that Superman left for him. Uh, so I really liked seeing their conversations and how they uh, work together throughout this second part. I thought it was really successful. Yeah, to go off of that, this Alfred definitely seems like a little bit more hands-on than I was used to. You know, obviously, like the Dark Knight, the Alfred is like a really, really good butler. You know, he puts the family above everything. This Alfred was kind of, he understands a little bit more of the tech side, which I think is cool. Um, it reminds me of the Alfred from the an- the Batman animated series where Alfred would like go out there with Batman and like actually throw hands and stuff. Awesome. <laughs> um, it was cool when he was involved. So it is interesting to see him like, you know, working on the gauntlets and like shooting lasers at it and stuff and knowing what he's talking about. Basically taking that Morgan Freeman role from you know the dark yeah. knight series and morphing it with alfred yeah i thought he was great I, I love that actor obviously i'm staring at him for a second i'm like where the hell do i what have i seen recently in Watchmen? and i'm like oh okay he's the man this guy's the man loved him yeah so that's a pretty quick conversation in the beginning we talked a, a little bit about the amazonians warning diana that happens super epic i don't think that we was... get the conclusion of that until like when she visits the temple until the next part i don't think but uh it's just so cool just her just shooting that big ass arrow flying through the air across the island lands perfectly lights up the beacon just so good 
I don't know how far you got, Luke, but uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time vibes. You got to shoot an arrow into the sun. And I was like, dude, that's so cool. Um, also, I was studying, I'm like right now studying projectile motion. And I don't think that would, that arrow has to be magical or something because I don't know if it would make it all the way with that projection. Um, I think so, Paul. I think, I, I think, I think there's some magic. I think there was some magical shit going on. I'm pretty sure it's uh whose arrow is it? It's one of the gods. It's it the name of it says it, it's somebody was it Artemis? I was gonna say, wasn't she the one who pops up in the 1984 uh post credit scene? Is that is that Artemis? Am I thinking of the right person? You might be right, but that yeah. funny fact that is that actor that pops up, if it is Artemis, was the original OG Wonder Woman, right? Like back in the uh did you Oh know really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's fun. I still haven't seen 84. Yeah. <laughs> um, to go off this Amazon scene, I thought it was really cool, like the whole history behind the arrow and stuff like that. She seemed like, you know, they could have done that ritual a little bit more quicker. From the time <laughs> that they said, like, we need to alert everybody that evil's here, Steppenwolf was already you know set up and he went to the nuclear power plant set up and then like a few scenes later she was like all right like let's shoot this arrow <laughs> like come on man. you might have i think it's canon i think it's canon that everything in the dceu takes forever to happen yeah. so okay. I, like they're moving in slow motion <laughs> off camera yeah oh yeah, yeah. Dragging their feet. That makes sense. But but I think I lied. The the part where she actually does explore the temple, I think, is in this part. It might be just a little bit, just a couple scenes removed from this, but that's a cool story and it gives her another reason to use the arrow, which was awesome when it like magnetically connects to the wall, opens up that secret passage. She learns the story of Dark Side. And I'm saying that right, right? It's Dark Side. Yeah, yeah. Dark Side. And Paul, do you know that Dark Side was just completely not a thing for um the original? Yeah. The- that's wild. I don't know yeah. how. Because so I was gonna, I was gonna ask you guys because again, like Danny was saying, I haven't seen it in a long time. I did a little recap before we got on and before I watched the Snyder cut. But did they even bring up Darkseid in the actual Justice League movie, or is it just straight up Steppenwolf's so. the bad guy? I know, obviously, they don't show him, but I, I, I just can't remember if they even bring him up. I vaguely remember Darkseid being mentioned only because I remember when he was reintroduced for the Snyder Cut, like everyone was like, yes, like now we understand what's going on. But I don't, I don't think he was enough of a plot point for us yeah. to walk away from the film to be like, yeah, Darkseid is on his way, you know? Right. Which is okay. crazy because Darkseid makes this whole movie work. Like he just escalates the tension and the galactic level of threat so much. And he just makes Steppenwolf like a part one of the Justice I mean it's straight up it's it's straight up Thanos with Ronin or whoever else is gonna yeah. do his bidding mm-hmm. I, I was gonna say Chancellor Palpatine and his you know Sith Lords okay like, that cool? this was definitely a Dooku moment yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah honestly yeah same exact ending too it's chopped <laughs> off right in front of him right in front of his uh leader that's rough yeah I, I was just gonna say I really liked you know Wonder Woman going in after she put in the arrow in the wall just the ruins explaining if you're reading this this is why this is what happened um i thought that was really cool it felt like lara croft like tomb raider yeah. honestly she learned a lot from those drawings <laughs> when she, she first meets up with batman she's like yeah like i don't know too much but i do know a little bit and she starts going off and telling the exact story of what happened and i was like you got all these from paintings on the wall that is wild <laughs> The only other thing that happens before we get to the her telling that story is just the cyborg stuff. And I think this part was in the original pretty much as is. But again, like you get introduced to cyborg. And to me, I just felt without his backstory, 
he's just not that likable yet. And then when he does get his backstory, he becomes my arguably my favorite character of the movie. So this part, you know, it left me feeling the same way initially where get over it. You know, like I know you've been in a terrible accident, but we don't know enough to really have feelings for you. And he's not a super popular DC character outside of the casual fans. So I don't know. How'd you guys feel, Paul, specifically just your initial introduction to him? I thought it was depressing. honestly the initial impression but you know like i said before if they didn't have that background then you'd be like why the hell is this like sad cyborg just floating around all the time Mm -hmm. so i'm i'm really happy that i I really liked it too i mean i i thought it was going to be a football accident that Mm. was going to put him jason straight dude yeah yeah i thought it was going to be that that caused him Eric's father to intervene, but I kind of I liked that it was like a catastrophic car accident that you know did cause him to lose his mother too. But him learning training how to like float and use his uh, blasters and stuff like that that was super cool. Like I was saying, it's like the most overpowered version of Cyborg I've ever seen. I was gonna say, was it in this part where he is helping the the lady who's like struggling with her money, and yeah. then he like just gives her a ton of money? Yeah. So I really liked that in the scene. And then afterward, he's just talking to someone. He's like, "F the world." Mm. So which one is it? Like, right, like do you right. not care or do you care? Yeah. So that, <laughs> you know, I, I was just I was just like, oh, that's kind of weird. That's kind of a weird thing to put in there. <laughs> He's just angsty and doesn't want anybody to know that he cares. Yeah, he's brooding <laughs> right now, but he cares deep down. Um, remind me, guys, I know that there was an issue with Ray Fisher and Whedon, and I think the head of DC uh, Cinematic, right? So is he out from now on? or From what I can see, the Snyder Cut is like all that he's got as of right now in the DCU. I think they're, that they're honestly either working on it behind closed doors or they're not bringing it up because because we've had a lot of people kind of talk about Joss Whedon and specifically, I think Jeff Johns is the dude's name. And that's kind of got it where it's like, you know, we don't know how this is going to go. He's been very public with it. And yeah. he's so public that I don't know if he can get blackballed at this point, especially with how well he's been received in the Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut makes things a little confusing with what they're going to do with future movies because, you know, this Snyder Cut makes Cyborg so important and so cool. So when you want him to be in future movies and like we're saying with the original Justice League, he didn't really get that much of a of a story, not much of a background at all. He could probably fall to the side and it wouldn't be a huge deal. But now that we've seen this Snyder cut, we want him back, Mm -hmm. you know, and the fact that they're going to be messing with multiverses and this and that, you know, I mean, did they say that Snyder cut and the nightmare stuff just won't be actual canon at all? That's the public opinion as of right now. That's their official stance is they're not going to do anything else with it. Like you're saying, man, like Cyborg was supposed to be a huge part of the upcoming Flash movie. And I think yeah. he's just completely written out of it. Like, they have oh, I did. I did read that. that. Yeah, I did read that. He's yeah, I think Ray's just done. Ray Fisher's just out. Like, it's just there's nothing that's going to really mend it. I don't even know if, if Snyder gets the green light somehow for a part two of his universe. I don't even know if he'll be in it is how bad this seems to be. But again, not everything's known. We don't really know. Yeah, that's a shame, scenes, man. But. Because I don't know if you can have a part two without him because he was such a linchpin of this entire 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same concept as like Wanda and the infinity stones, right? Like he came from the mother box. He's directly tied to what dark side wants. I mean, you got the anti equation and everything, but he's so tied in, especially when we get that scene at the end, you know, not to jump far ahead, but like we have a limited number of heroes in that universe. And so seeing how they would maneuver around that, I just, I just don't see it. it with all the fan stuff. It's great that they, did the Snyder cut and they, and they released it, but it's just making things so confusing because I can't even remember, like, is it Canon that technically it is Canon that Joker killed Robin, right? That was in yes. Dawn of justice, right? Yeah. I think even, okay. I think Snyder even confirmed that in his version, it's Dick Grayson. That's dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, you yeah. know, sometimes it's, um, I forget the Jason other Todd, Jason yeah. Todd or Tim Drake. Yeah. Yeah. But right. Jason Todd's the one who turns the red hood. So, all right, we're on to our last part, and this is super epic. Just when Wonder Woman sneaks into the Batcave and she, she's just talking to Bruce Paul, you kind of brought it up earlier, just telling the story of the paintings. And man, when she when you when it just fades to the past and you just see all of the humans, all the Atlanteans, all the Amazonians, and then the, the old gods just pop up, like seeing Zeus and Ares was such a pleasant surprise specifically because we're di- i don't know about you danny but we're diehard harry potter fans over here so give me oh, Arthur weasley all the time yes <laughs> it was so cool seeing them for the first time i was like who are these dudes with the glowing hands like f- glowing forearms and then all of a sudden they start shooting lightning she says who they are and i was like i would be terrified to invade and this is what i see to greet me they were so dangerous looking mm-hmm. And isn't it Arthur Weasley or uh, not Arthur Weasley, uh, Lupin, right? I thought it was Lupin. Oh, who was you might be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Total yeah. Mess mm-hmm. but, Honestly, uh, yeah, I ahead. loved all of that part. Like, I thought it was super cool. Uh, so, like I said, big Green Lantern fan. So, when I was seeing that ancient Green Lantern fight and then he get, he gets killed and his hands chopped off and you see the ring go away, I'm like, there's it. There's my spinoff. Give me, <laughs> give me the Green Lantern. <laughs> That's Whoa. really cool. I thought that was awesome and very well done. I read that. Snyder requested Ryan Reynolds to have a cameo as Hal Jordan, and, and the actual executive said no. <laughs> That's so funny. He would have done it. <laughs> would he have? I don't know. I guess he would have if it could fix what he did already. But I was going to say, I know he just watched Green Lantern for like the first time not too long yeah. ago. I saw his Twitter thread on that. It was hilarious. Yeah, let's ask you, Danny. You're the huge Green Lantern fan. I'm sure you've seen it. I mean. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, I got thoughts. I got thoughts. This, this is a podcast on its own. But like... <laughs> It, it just disappointed me a lot because I thought that it was it was kind of a joke of a movie. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that the connections that he was making were believable. I thought Sinestro was okay uh, and and wanted more out of that. But as a as an origin story, i've I've seen worse, but I've seen so much more that was better, you know, yeah. And, I just feel like Green Lantern's really easy. He's a dude with a magic ring and he can make stuff. It's super simple, you know? Yep. So That's can you what... remind me real quick of what what is it that the rings need as qualifications to pick someone? Is it just a lack of fear and just willpower? That and like it depends on if someone's passing the ring on mm-hmm. and like uh, the goodness of their heart and each ring, each color on the spectrum has something that it represents. Right. And so that ring has to connect with a person that exhibits that characteristic that, you know, whatever that it's going to be like yellow being fear and whatnot. The reason I asked is because one of the most underlooked i would say parts of this entire battle i saw it obviously talked about on reddit because they find everything but when dark side kills the green lantern there and the ring pops up into the air it literally sits there in front of um dark side like it looked like it was choosing 
him until I think one of the arrows of one of the old gods shoots through it and it like knocks it away. But like for a second, people were saying, was the ring acknowledging Darkseid because of his qualifications that would meet like someone powerful that would, the ring would pick? But I wasn't really, I didn't know too much about Green Lantern. To I will have to rewatch that scene because yeah. I didn't catch that. Interesting. Yeah, that's funny. I kind of took it like it was it was like hovering like it needed to pick somebody. And then I thought he went after it and it flew away after she shot the arrow. But I don't know. Could have been that. I thought it was just overall him fighting. I thought it was really well done. And it sucks that Ryan Reynolds movie was the one that kind of introduced a lot of people to Green Lantern because now I think he's a joke. The backstory is so cool and it like goes so deep. And that movie, it's just ridiculous because, you know, he can create anything he imagines and what he uses and creates to defeat um, the villain in the very end was like a giant fist and he just punches him. It's like, <laughs> come, come on, dude, you can you can imagine anything and create anything and you just make a fist like really big. I really hope they do go into more Green Lantern you know, spinoffs or movies. I think there's supposed to be an HBO Max television series, right? For for, for the Lantern Corps, I believe. Yeah, yeah. We don't, and, we don't have to keep harping on this because for time's sake, um, anything else you guys want to point out for this battle? Because it's just, we can't talk about it enough. It's just, so, just something you need yeah. to see. It's so good. Yeah. I just think that humans are so stupid because <laughs> in the end, when they say, you know, every race takes a box and hides it, they have these like six setups for an Atlantis and the Amazon. And then the humans are like, yeah, let's bury it. And it's like not even deep. It's like <laughs> two, it's two feet. They didn't even try that hard. Yeah. But it was sick. I liked it a lot. I personally thought beforehand, like uh, as I was thinking about the mother boxes, I was like, man, Stonehenge would have been a really cool like spot for humans to put it. You know, something something that feels iconic. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, last thing I want to point out, though, before we move on, is the fact that it was pretty unexpected. I think for to have Ares be the one that gave the final blow to Darkseid, that was pretty cool because he's not like the main face of anyone there, and. It's just people were pointing out, you know, Ares, God of War, he gets empowered when those kind of things are going on. So it makes sense that even in that moment, he could have been even stronger than Zeus, his father. So that was a pretty good touch, in my opinion. But I like the blood that they showed, too. They didn't like shy away from it too much and get too kitty. But I wasn't like, you know, all up in your face. Yeah. Um, it's like super gory. But Darkseid's axe wound, I was like, yo, Ares did some damage. That was really cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so moving on to part three, and this one's titled Beloved Mother, Beloved Son. And then this is kind of where we get the introductions to the remainder of the Justice League being Barry and Victor as Cyborg. I just thought that, you know, this was a lot of new material, Paul. This might arguably, be, besides the ending, be the most new material we got in terms of the old Justice League. Uh, so, yeah, we get all of Cyborg's story fleshed out. We meet his mom. We meet the reason he's always brooding and, and he hates his father and why he has the powers that he has. And then we have Barry's scene where he's applying to be the dog walker. We get to see his powers displayed in front of us there, which is pretty cool. And then last part of this chapter is when Steppenwolf goes to Atlantis and steals their mother box. And that's the first time we really see Arthur fight. I've said it like two or three times already. I can't believe they didn't have more backs of his backstory in the beginning because he's such an integral part to how they even resolve the plot to skip ahead to the end, like him connecting with the three mother boxes, like as they're going in. So for unity or whatever, speaking to him, getting in, he was so essential, just dropping him with no backstory and be like, Oh yeah, by the way, I can do this and this, that seems cheap. So I love all of it. And it just makes, you know, 
the ending make more sense and sad, honestly, you know, with his father. Just like Paul was saying, I really loved the background that they gave to Cyborg. It was it was definitely needed. Uh, the other thing Paul was saying is that he thought that without it, it would just be like you're just throwing things around for a movie. And honestly, that's what the first Justice League felt. The actual, I guess, Justice League felt like, you know, I really enjoyed the Cyborg stuff. What were the other parts that we want to discuss? I like the touch of when he activates his powers, when he sees the accident happening, rips out of his shoes. And even when he's walking from our perspective, slow motion, but he's obviously moving super fast and he stops in front of her. If you look at the ground, it just the process of him slowing down from the speed of light, just destroying the street. I just thought some of those small touches, it was just really well done to show how fast he actually is. I was a big fan of the simplicity of him, like just using his finger with everything. I thought that was a cool touch because it made his speed feel unique. And, you know, having seen like the CW flash, I really liked the effect of when he goes, you know, towards the speed of light, just everything, all that crackling and then him just kind of moving in slow motion. So he's moving so fast that, you know, like things just seem wild. Uh, and I, I thought that was successful. And then the little hot dog thing with the dogs at the end to get the job, you like it wrapped up. It was all right. Correct me guys, if I'm wrong here, but we don't really have his backstory in this DC extended universe, right? He's just been thrown in. They do have him talking to his father in the jail and they kind of talk about, how he's in there being you know framed for the, like the murder of his mother they do say that well i mean like how he got his powers that. and stuff oh no I yeah. don't so, so he just has his powers like it's it, it makes me wonder like you know again i don't know much about the flash's background and when he's first getting his powers but he has these powers but he's like let me just try to you know find these dog walking jobs and you know i can't find it <laughs> i don't know I feel like Zack Snyder is highly influenced by art, like Renaissance art, because uh, a lot of the scenes, especially when he starts like really getting into slow motion, like with this, has that you know the what a- Adam touching God type uh, vibe to oh, it. Okay, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's kind of how it felt. Like the hair, everything feels like it's underwater or it's wavy. So that's kind of. Yeah. I felt like he was trying to make everything look overly beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's a good parallel. I didn't think about it like that, but. It- I think you're definitely right. Yeah, so Flash, you know, this might have been his quirkiest scene. I feel like he kind of toned it down a little bit as the movie went on, but when he's just like talking 100 miles per hour at this girl and like talking about the resume and stuff, that was a little bit much for me. But besides that, cool scene, cool introduction. I loved all the cyborg stuff. I thought that was probably the most emotionally powerful stuff of the entire movie where I actually felt like on the verge of tears, like towards the end when his dad's being told the news and stuff like that. Um but yeah, so those are great introductions to two of the most important characters in this universe. And then this part ends with Steppenwolf getting the second mother box in Atlantis. And I think, is this the first time we see Mira, this movie? I think so. If I not, we so. saw her a quick flash before yeah. maybe, but it wasn't any dialogue. Yeah. And they're just talking about like, she's, she's right outside of where they keep it, right? And she's just doing a bad job at projecting it. She gets introduced, she's doing the clicks, like the little echo location things that was a pretty cool touch and then i think she goes right in and it's already pretty much activated right steppenwolf just kind of teleports down and my biggest issue with this was why can he breathe underwater maybe he's holding his breath (laughs) i I just thought it was weird because i thought the reason that atlantis was a great spot to hide one of the mother boxes is because that's a natural barrier against people but it seems like that's not even an obstacle for steppenwolf he just kind of teleports in there's things I can accept, like everybody in the universe knowing English and breathing underwater just bothered me. Yeah. <laughs> so like whenever they got into the, like the little air bubbles, I was like, okay, cool. This makes yeah. sense again. 
So honestly, Mira helped him. <laughs> she, she like <laughs> created an air bubble. So he fell. And then I was actually just giving him more breath, but that was cool. I did like how the, she used the physics of gravity in this fight. It was a cool way because he couldn't do anything about it. He just had to deal with it. But it was awesome. of course, he was so unique and creative, but he was way too OP. And then she also uses her, I don't know, water manipulation ability, kind of water bending, where she starts draining his body of water, including blood. And that was one of the most like graphic dark parts of it. I thought that was so unique and badass. Like she was just ripping the blood out of his eyes and stuff. I thought that was fucking sick. That part yeah. was way cool. I, I did not expect to see someone blood bending on a DCU, <laughs> but that was pretty dope. Yeah, he he was saying like you can't run away. She was like, dude, I'm not running. And then she starts ripping everything out. That was the closest, honestly, besides Superman, anybody who came one on one, right? Yeah. I was I pretty so. I was pretty close. Mm-hmm. He ran away after that too, threw her and just took off with their mother box. I think he throws her and then Aquaman shows up. They have mm-hmm. a little bit of a fight. You could obviously see that Steppenwolf has a leg up on him, but you know, nothing crazy happens. He gets the box and teleports up. But what did you think? That was the first time we saw Aquaman use the Trident, right? Uh, I think so, because Willem Dafoe, his character, just Throws threw it on the ground. Yeah. yeah, and I think he just picks it up and takes it from there on out. You'll need that for your next quest type thing. You'll yeah, need that definitely. for Aquaman, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to need you to need that. So here we go. But every time I see Willem Dafoe, How I Met Your Mother just ruined it for me. Just Willem Dafoe. Oh, you know that? That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome that you knew that. Every I think time. of that, and I think of the end of Spider-Man 1 where he's like, Peter, don't tell Harry. And then he just dies. Is going to be in the new Spider-Man? Isn't he rumored? Yeah, he is, I think he was actually confirmed on set. I don't know if it was. Did they confirm a casting? I don't, I'm not sure. Oh, I hope he's in it. Him just... They're trying to keep this on lock. I mean, it was funny Certainly. because there so many are leaking when it comes, to, and they're actually, anna- I guess, not really leaking. They're announcing, like Dr. Octopus, Jamie Foxx, you know, all those are getting announced. And it's so back and forth. Like, everyone is just assuming Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in it. But then I just saw, like, a couple people tweeting actual, like, higher up accounts that are like verified saying, wait, what if we're just wrong and there is no Andrew Garfield <laughs> or Maguire? <laughs> That would be a Marvel thing, you know? Dude, my <laughs> expectations are lowered after WandaVision with, with stuff like that. With cameos, <laughs> yeah. Mephisto TSD. Yeah, right. Oh my Jesus. God. Yo, we're not giving up on that, though. Mephisto's going to make an appearance at some point. Yeah. Talking to Winter Soldier, clearly. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think we're good with part three. We did already kind of talk a little bit about in an earlier part about them showcasing all of Cyborg's abilities. You know, he's just crazy. He needed to be that smart for him to be relevant at all because when his dad says like you could launch the world's entire nuclear arsenal with a thought that kind of escalates him and puts him in the same category as someone like wonder woman and superman so i loved all that yeah i think they did a great job of really organically putting him into the mix of of superpowers so part four is called change machine and this is where we have the plans basically starting to come together for steppenwolf he's one box away he just needs the the human's box we actually have Commissioner Gordon making an appearance in this part when he decides to use the bat signal to pull the whole squad together. Then this is the whole part with the sewer. We get the first real fight of Justice League versus Steppenwolf. And yeah, that's pretty much the main part of this whole thing. 
this might be a jump ahead, but the Nightcrawler that Alfred sent was awesome. I yeah. thought I thought that thing was a really cool Batman gadget. It's one that we don't really see. We see like Batmobiles all the time or like, you know, Batplane, but the Nightcrawler aspect and how it was going through the sewer and all that, I thought it was really, really great. Speaking of like what you said earlier, Commissioner Gordon, we get to see him for a second. J.K. Simmons, man, iconic. Guy gets to meet J. Jonah Jameson, Commissioner Gordon. He's just living the dream. Oh, yeah. So uh, good. He, he's Tenzin from Legend of Korra. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I actually just binged a whole season of Legend of Korra last week. So <laughs> that's <Good> sweet. <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting seeing him as Commissioner Gordon. I assume he was Commissioner Gordon in earlier Batmans, but well, in the original Justice League, that was his debut, right? Oh, was it? I didn't know if it was. Or um, no, maybe it was Batman versus Superman. I thought he was. I could be wrong. I can't remember, to be honest. I'm pretty sure he was, because yeah. they used Batman versus Superman to introduce us all of Batman's people. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, I thought it was cool. He's always just a good commanding leader, like, role, whatever. Like you were saying, J. Jenna Jamison, he doesn't take shit from anybody. Mm-hmm. Commissioner Gordon doesn't take shit from anybody. He was a good plot facilitator in this scene where he just basically highlight, you know, it's, it's cool that Cyborg was the one that figured it out because he analysis is his thing, finds out right away where Steppenwolf is hiding. It's in the sewers and they're just gonna have to go confront him right now before he hits part three of the mother box. At this point, we have no Aquaman. He's missing. Superman's not even a thought yet. We just have four of the Justice League members go in and fight one of these God level aliens. And it felt real. It felt like the tension was high. I thought the parademons were horrifying. Like <laughs> if I turn the corner, one of those things was there and just snatched me right up. Remind me of like Hunter x Hunter. What, like all the Camara and Ark? They just like turn around, snatch you up, and take you home. So we're in the sewers, you know, we're kicking ass here. We get to see, I thought Wonder Woman did great here. She was holding her own 1v1 versus Darkseid, and that's just how it should be. She's like top tier. She needs to be, if not. You mean Steppenwolf. Or what did I say? Darkseid? Darkseid, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we don't have to talk about the specifics of the fight, but at the end of it, you know, Cyborg has a really cool moment when he links up with the Nightcrawler and starts fucking shit up with that. And yeah. basically, basically, Steppenwolf knows he's screwed. He's not going to win this fight. So when I think Cyborg shoots a mini, you know, missile at him, he just throws it right into the side of the sewer to unleash all the water that's right above him. And then Gotham was, Harbor, yeah. Yep. And then this was when our boy Aquaman joins the team for the first time. And he's just sitting out there waiting on the other side yeah. of the wall. Like, as soon as it's my time, I'll jump in. <laughs> I was thinking this thing. He's like the Kool-Aid man. Just oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Shirtless Kool-Aid, man. I think what worked about the scene for me was, yes, it was silly that he was just like chilling on the other side of the harbor, like of the wall. But I think showing that Aquaman actually had cared and and that Batman had reached him kind of showed this continued feeling of Superman's will from Batman versus Superman carrying through and slowly affecting people, which sets up his resurrection to make sense. You know what I was going to say, Steppenwolf's, uh, all of his trash talking was aimed at Wonder Woman. It was wild. During this entire fight, all he was saying, like, oh, like you weren't there to protect them and they died. None of that was going at any of the other guys. I was like, dude, why are you just aiming all this <laughs> anger at her? Cancel um, Steppenwolf. He's a misogynist. But like Luke was saying, she was pretty badass, calling her out against him. The gauntlets. Oh, my God. Slamming She's the only one that could take that trash talk, man. That's why he gave it to her. He had that one line where he had tells all the parademons like, "Oh, like back off, this one's mine." She's yeah, like, I'm not anybody's. 
That was a weird weird line, but yeah. So this is, I guess, technically I'm pushing ahead a little bit, but I was just thinking about Wonder Woman and how badass they were making her with the fight scenes and everything. And she does use the lasso at random times really well. But it's funny to think about how you have to try to make something like the lasso of truth make sense in this kind of universe. And they did they didn't keep the scene that they did in the original Justice League, right, where she puts the lasso on uh, Arthur Aquaman and he starts like talking and telling the truth. And everyone's like, what is he talking about? And then it's like it is actually pretty funny. That's not in there, right? That's no, not. No. I, I can't remember. Yeah, saying that I do remember that scene. That was like the only thing that I actually laughed at that they like added in mm-hmm. to the original Justice League. That sucks that they didn't because that sounds hysterical. What was he just like saying? All these go out like Wonder Woman's actually really hot. <laughs> no, no, I mean honestly, I can't remember his lines, but like obviously, you know, I think they pushed it even more in the original Justice League that he was just another one of those brooding, I don't need any of you, you know, um, I'm just doing my thing, don't bother me kind of deal. So then when she touches him with the lasso, he starts actually speaking to them and speaking like from the heart and mm-hmm. just saying stuff and telling the truth pretty much. And they're just like, wait, what's going on? And then he had, <laughs> you can see it's touching his leg and he's like, oh shit. <laughs> There were a lot of people who were trying to out angst Batman in this film. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I do think they did a better job with it, though, in this version, because he does have some real moments later in the film when he's talking to Barry about Cyborg, who has just lost his dad. Like, that was a real moment. I did not expect it to come out like that. And I don't know. Aquaman, I, 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 you mean? Yeah, Aquaman. Sorry. Yeah, I, I saw better. I saw a lot of people were actually a little bit pissed off that Bruce himself didn't go up to Cyborg to talk to him because obviously Bruce, part of his identity is losing his parents, you know, and he didn't say he didn't have any scenes with uh, Cyborg after his dad died. Yeah, that was a missed opportunity for sure. But anyway, so we're pretty much finished with this scene. There's a couple more things that happen in this part. And maybe you guys can explain it to me, but I didn't really understand the purpose of Martian Manhunter <laughs> showing up here and acting as Clark Kent's mother and just trying to comfort Lois Lane and help her move on from Superman. Like I get it, but doesn't, I don't know. Just talk to me about that. Cause I didn't realize okay. I hate that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I was so confused. I had no idea what was going on. He comes out and he changes back into Martian. And then he says, you know, like the world needs you or something like that. Was he just trying to set in motion that Lois needs to go out because Superman's going to come back and she's the only thing that will center him. I read that. I think my issue with it comes from the fact that like Lois would have done that anyway. Like yeah. when, she, when she saw him come back, she knew who that was. Nobody flies from Superman's grave, but Superman. Yeah. She, she would have done that. That's the kind of person she is. I think that this like, making it Martian Manhunter was to like tee up the finale. But I think that all it did was weaken that scene. Because you had this awesome scene where the two most important women in Clark Kent Superman's life had a conversation about it and got together and like really went through what they were going through. And I thought it was super successful. And then the Martian Manhunter thing comes and I'm like, so this is a setup. This feels like something that Martha Kent would actually go do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're Zack Snyder right now and you know that there's nothing that's going to happen to this movie and it's just a Snyder cut for HBO Max, you could totally cut that scene where that shows her changing, just end it, fade it to black after, you know, she leaves the room. Don't show her changing back into Martian Manhunter and don't even have the Martian Manhunter scene at the end of the movie because it's not like we're teasing another movie anyway. You don't need Martian Manhunter. And I guess that's kind of what the original Justice League did. They didn't have Martian Manhunter at all. They just said, all right, whatever. 
But yeah, I definitely was confused when they had that happen. I saw someone say people like fans in general were promised seven members of the Justice League. So that was part of it, you know, because there's the six main ones of this movie and then they tease Martian. So we did get the seven because I think they were using that as a slogan in the original trailer all the way back, you know, like the first teaser trailer, the Justice League seven. So maybe they just wanted, I don't know, it was just part of the original vision, just kept it in there in case fans yeah. get us part two somehow. Is it supposed to represent that? Martian Manhunter's influence is still present, even though they basically wanted to show that, you know, his influence is still causing cause and effect throughout, you know, the, the reality. I have no idea. Because, yeah, anyone's guess. Uh, Danny, do you know much about Martian? Because I don't really know anything about him, like what his powers are and just how he's going to fit in. Is he always a good guy? Yeah, so I'm I'm not like super well versed on him, like from a comic standpoint. Most of my interactions with him came from like the animated shows and stuff that I watched Same. growing up. But I mean, he's he's always been a good guy. He's consistent member. He's kind of like the wise character. And so his whole thing though is being out from outside of Earth. He's always that voice of reason. And I guess you, you can measure him as reason if Superman is like the heart of things, you know. Okay. And he kind of operates within that wheelhouse. A little okay. head in the heart action there. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes back to the hundred. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, anyway, the last thing I think that happens here is we get the introduction to the anti-life equation. We have the dark side conver- I mean the the Steppenwolf conversation with what was his name? Desab? The other god that he was originally talking to. Yeah, I'm not sure. It was it's Dark Side's you're talking about Dark Side's side yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Side, a, bro. That's pretty much <laughs> what he is, though. He, um, yeah, yeah it, it's just him talking about the anti-life equation, Steppenwolf confirming that the anti-life equation's on the surface of Earth, and it's basically yeah. just going to get Darkseid more introduced to the story. What triggered that premonition again? I, I remember he, he transported himself he there. touched the cube. He went, I don't know why, how he knew to do it, but yeah, he touched the cube, right? And then it showed him the premonition. Gosh. Yeah, I, I think that's one of my critiques of the film. Sometimes things just happen. Mm-hmm. in the film yeah like we don't really understand why but things just occur um but i did like the introduction of the anti-life equation i thought as a idea it was a really cool f- concept to latch onto. oh this isn't just about the mother boxes like there's something beyond this mm-hmm. yeah that's cool that it tease it up for that because you know if you keep going back to the mother boxes it's gonna be like all right dude you know give us another problem give us another like <laughs> yeah plot device so I like that yeah. he's just pure evil and there's not going to be some weird motivation that he has. It's um, just he wants everything to be in, covered in darkness, right? Yeah. He said like the infinite darkness is like upon you or something like that. It was just planting the seeds for the end game of whatever the Snyder Justice League trilogy was going to be. Again, the last part of this part was just them deciding that they need to revive Superman. I liked when Barry was like, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope that was good. Paul, that part's pretty much directly pulled from the original the revival of superman all that happened and the way they kind of do it's pretty much the same so nothing really new there i just think that worked in the original film that's why snyder kept it gotcha so is it the beginning of the next part i guess that would be part five um when they actually dig up clark kent's uh, body yep Mm -hmm. gotcha i love that line where he's like, you, you know, we could do this in a second, right? Yeah, but they're like yeah. taking their time, doing it slowly, shuffle by shuffle. Dude, you're the Flash. You could. Earth this is this Superman, all right? It's like Barry and Dobby. You're not going to do it with magic. I was going <laughs> to say the same reference. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. 
But uh, yeah, Paul, you said it. Part five, all the King's horses. The whole part is just them unearthing Superman and then going through with the plan, I believe. And then we get a couple of scenes in there with uh, Alfred talking to Bruce and try again, being the voice of reason saying, if you can't tame the charging bull, don't ra- wave the red cape. Meaning if this dude comes alive and he's just not who we think he is, he's going to fuck everybody up. Yeah, And that's pretty much what happens. And Paul, this was directly pulled from the original as well. And this was my favorite scene of the original movie. It's just so epic watching Superman. I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but watching Superman fight the Justice League was so cool. Mm-hmm. Just when, when he see when he just turns his eyes and sees the flash running, like chill. I was going to say amazing. that that was without a doubt my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. I mean, you already know he's overpowered, but just to emphasize it, you know, he's got one superhuman in each hand and he's keeping track of the flash with his eyes. Like, are you kidding me? This guy's a beast. I just, I just love Henry Cavill so much. The Witcher. Oh yeah. Oh my God. He's so good in the, in the Witcher, man. Yeah. So it's, good. Season two, just finishing up filming. I cannot wait for it yeah, to come mm-hmm. out. So excited. Gonna crush it. I think I think one of the things I really enjoy about this, uh, there were a bunch of like as as much as there was a lot of cool big stuff, there were a lot of little moments that I really liked. I really enjoyed the conversation between Aquaman and Wonder Woman when they were like, you know, when when's the last time an Atlantean or uh, and a and an Amazonian were talking together? And then they realized that they had similar sayings in their different cultures. And to me, that that spoke to a history a shared history that we don't really know about as much uh but it was one that i was like if they ever did a crossover with wonder woman and aquaman that could potentially be really good mm-hmm. that world building man i love world building and that's just what that is getting a little bit of a history lesson about what the state of politics were like in the the earth factions you could say i will say bruce wayne's like one-liners like comebacks or just like it did not hit like you were saying that you know don't wave the red cape if you can't handle the charging pool and he's like oh this red cape like charges back i'm like dude just shut up like that was just horrible like that will not get, that will not get anybody hyped to go into battle like that. <laughs> yeah um, he uh, uh bruce wayne needs to watch endgame and learn how cap gives speeches That's yeah right 100 <laughs> They definitely eliminated some of the cringy lines of of the Superman fight scene. I think there's even one part where Superman originally looks at Batman for the first time and says, doesn't he bring up the line like, don't uh, do you, do you bleed? bleed? Yeah, yeah, something like that. They just cut that, which I was thankful for. Good, because I thought that was hilariously bad in the first time <laughs> they did it in yeah. Batman versus Superman. Yeah. The one thing that I do like about Ben Affleck as Batman is it's kind of like an ongoing joke that he doesn't really have superpowers and he accepts it. They're like, Hey, like what's your superpower? Oh, I'm rich. Mm-hmm. Like shit like yeah. that. Like, he's just like, yeah, like I'm just kind of accepted. I'm not really special. I just have a lot of money. Yeah. It's Batman for you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I also, I also really like in this because they cut that line. Superman just isn't saying anything. Like he's just a force of nature. Yeah. And then when Lois shows up, that's the first time like something happens. And so I think it was really effective uh, to to see how he responds to her as opposed to everybody else that's around him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely with you there. And then another thing about this scene that I just loved, just another quick moment is his interaction with Wonder Woman for the first um, fight, I guess, when she just he runs up to her i think and like headbutts the shit out of her 
Mm-hmm. And she's strong enough where she can take it. She headbutts him back and then he gets pissed. And <laughs> just seeing him flex, like that's just clear-cut writing showing you the difference in their power level, even though Wonder Woman's probably the second strongest. Yeah, I mean, the fact that her... Yeah, the fact that her head like kind of hurt him showed something, but then he just like got yeah. elevated himself and just dropped the yeah. dropped the hammer down. Pull, pulled her towards him as he was coming down from flying to headbutt her. She was Put like, her... I, I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, in Thor Ragnarok when Thor swings his hammer and the Hulk just catches it. And he's like, oh, shit, like that's bad. She was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah, like I really messed up. <laughs> But yeah, I honestly I can't even remember too much. I was just so distracted by Henry Cavill's chest hair this entire. <laughs> it was just incaptivating. It was wild. He is so buff. Oh, like, yeah. like he is jacked. Yeah, man. He's got like that, he's got that it, Witcher glow up. Yeah. Yeah, I love his Instagram too. If you follow, he's like, oh, like Tuesday morning. You know what that means? Like five fifteen a.m. runs. He's like, dude. All he cares about is making sure that this body looks good in front of a camera. And Damn right. He fucking kills he gets it. paid for. Yeah, I mean, this scene was definitely my favorite scene, without a doubt, of the entire four hours. And it was just, you know, Superman coming back. It was like Optimus Prime coming back in, um, you know. Revenge, Revenge of the, of the Fallen. F- yeah, hell yeah. That was so good. Danny, you're so well-rounded, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> dude i watch a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah you've gotten every single reference we said so <laughs> you, the only one i don't think you caught did you watch entourage i didn't watch entourage uh, when Jerry, yeah. Uh, yeah he plays so, aquaman the actor in the show so yeah in entourage in entourage james cameron does aquaman and the main character from entourage plays aquaman it becomes the highest grossing movie of all time so <laughs> yeah nice there was a cool Easter egg in this part with like, if you look in the background where all of the names are written on the walls, kind of like the Vietnam wall, where it was all the people that died from the Batman versus Superman doomsday stuff. I think one of the names that a lot of fans were seeing, it gets clearly highlighted when Barry gets thrown into one of the walls and his head's like right next to it, just as Ben Parker. And people were like that. that, can't uh, be, that can't that's be funny. And that's just a nice little Spider-Man nod. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. I'll take a Spider-Man reference wherever I can find it. Mm-hmm. Dude, all you got all I all I could think this whole time was Flash Man, especially because the way they portray him is like he's just a, a kid who happens to have speed. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, God, Superman could just kill him mm-hmm. now that he's actually like he's as fast. Like, you know, like at least Aquaman and Wonder Woman and even Cyborg. Cyborg might be new to his powers too, but because he's so overpowered and he's kind of half human anyway. He can deal with some shit, but if he got if if Barry Allen gets punched, yeah, he's done. You know, mm-hmm. it's there's a there's an argument though to be made that if Barry Allen mastered his powers like everybody else did, he can speed up his healing. So like if if Superman was like whomping on him and Barry could heal faster than Superman could beat him, then there's 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 an argument to be made that he could survive. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now, well, actually, now that you're saying that, let me ask you. He gets this is going way ahead, but he gets shot at the end of the movie and that stops him from hitting that speed to help Cyborg um, spark the cubes. He says something about heal myself and then he is going technically back in time when he's going so fast. I thought when I saw it still would be at the right. He would still have been shot at the time that he saves them, but it looked like everything was kind of 
fixed. Now, I don't know if that's something you're going with, a, a mistake on the movie part, or just something I missed. So the way that I was taking it was that Barry's whole deal was he's speeding up his personal body, but he's going so fast in real life that he's rewinding things. So okay. that he was essentially doing two things at once. Okay, so I he was healing himself. Yeah. Because he was going forward so. with Okay, yeah. So yeah, yeah, cool. That was the first time I've actually ever heard of that. I didn't know that was like an actual flash trait. And that's really cool because like you were just saying, durability wise, if you're getting hit over and over and you're just super fast, mm-hmm. you're gonna die. So I really like that about it. That's that's a good explanation of why he's able to hold his own. One uh fun thing that got cut from the original Justice League, Paul, you'll you'll enjoy this. It was the post credit scene and jimmy mm. I, I did you i think you probably saw it too yeah I and remember. paul what it is basically is just it's barry allen and then clark kent just lining up superman and flash lining up next to each other on a road and they're just about to race and they're like all right ready <laughs> set go and like that's like the end so that's that, so that cool like, you should look up that like two minute video it's pretty cool but they took that out yeah it didn't awesome. match the vibe of this film but no nah. yeah i mean superman would lose I mean, I feel like I feel like if you want the Flash to matter, Superman should lose. I mean, we know that Superman can't do the go back in time or time travel thing with his power or or can he? I mean, I don't know. But um, I mean, he already proved he's at least close enough to Flash. Yeah. It's it's my understanding that Flash, like Barry Allen, is the fastest to ever connect with the Speed Force, and that Superman can reach near what he does. Like he's still like super fast, but that Barry is just he's special. Essentially, it is my understanding. Okay, okay. So we're good with part five, and now we got two more parts here, which includes the epilogue itself. So part six, something darker, and this is pretty much the climax of the movie. We're about to take on. Steppenwolf and we're about to Superman started to regain him his sense of self. He gets the badass black suit, which I think I read like quickly online. The reason that it's just a callback to the comics, the reason it's a more powerful suit is because you know he gets his power from the sun. So black attracts sun. So that's why, like when he puts it on for the first time, he flies right up to space and he just starts absorbing the the energy from our from the Earth's sun. I love that. He like puts his arm, he puts his arms out for maximum surface area absorption. Uh, That was sweet. And then the original justice league just changed all that. And he just went blue and red the whole time. Right. There was no black for. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That was weird. I was going to say that they recolored every scene that he's wearing that black and silver suit. And you already know about the taking his mustache off CGI, right, Paul? Mustache. What? You never saw that? Oh my no. goodness! Oh man! So they had to do reshoots, obviously, because of the weed and cut. And he was shooting. What was it? Was it Bond? It might have been Sherlock. 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 Uh, no, 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 no. It was. It was. It was. Uh, mission. I thought it was Mission Impossible. Oh, Mission right. Impossible, not Bond. You're right. Mission Impossible. Yeah. And he has a mustache, and he can't cut it. He can't. Couldn't get role. rid of it. So they CGI'd it. So he literally looks like they just like he has a huge upper lip. Like, oh my it was God. just weird looking. It was, it was hilarious. That's horrible. I'm so glad they didn't do that. But yeah. I did like this scene of, you know, he's regaining his sense of self and hearing both of his fathers, like, give, like, a monologue in his head, just saying, like, hey, this earth needs you and, like, you're, you know, the man you're supposed to be. I thought it was cool. And it was a good way to ease Clark Kent back into reality because, 
he just came back from dead. He freaked out on everybody. It's going to take him some time to realize who he is again. Mm-hmm. So I did like it, even though it was a little slow at the time. Cause this, you're hitting like at the, going over the third hour and you're like, Jesus Christ, Superman, just come on already. <laughs> but what I, it is really good. I do like that. They did it. So I was reading uh, some interviews after seeing this uh, because I, I enjoyed the film a lot. And he was talking, Zack Snyder was talking about how his original plan was that Lois was going to be like announced as pregnant and that Bruce Wayne eventually was going to die and Superman's son was going to take over as Batman. I read that as well. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I was like, this is interesting. This is, there's some interesting ideas here. I yeah, I mean, I'm, all, I'm always fine. Like, I used to be majorly like, oh my God, it's not close to the source material. Like when Harry, with Harry Potter, when the movies came out, I was, I've read the books a million times. So when anything went off book, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. At this point, like, if you want to go off and do your own thing and it's, and it comes out fine, I'm good with it. I'm, you know, it works. If you want to make, if you want to make Clark Kent and Lois Lane's son, Bruce Wayne, or his name is going to be Bruce. Right. And they're going to have him be the next Batman. I think I read, and I don't know if you already just said this or not, that he wasn't going to have any powers either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he was just going to be a normal human, but he was going to be bat. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. Whenever we think about, uh, you know, diverging from the source material, uh, I always think about the burning of the burrow in Harry Potter book six. <sighs> yeah. And I get triggered every time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the, the the hilarious one from Harry Potter is the is the Goblet of Fire scene that everybody talks about when Dumbledore runs up to Harry and he's like, Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? And it's actually written in the book. Dumbledore asks calmly, Did you put your name? <laughs> I don't think I knew that. That's hilarious. Oh, really? Oh, God, yeah. All right, are we ready for the, the big fight here? Like, Let's yeah. do it. So they come up. The Justice League is finally united. You know, it's that superhero moment where the squad is ready to mess shit up. Everybody except Superman, who's not with him at this point. And they just come up with this plan where Barry offers up the, the new knowledge that when he gets close to the speed of light, crazy shit starts happening, basically. And he's going to supercharge cyborg when he's connecting in with the mother boxes and they're going to basically destroy it from the inside out it's probably a little more complicated than when i just made it out but that that's pretty much the summary of it um and so yeah so like the squad goes in there without superman bruce wayne's kind of expecting him to show up like he's gonna you know he'll be there when the time's right so he's got the confidence the squad is feeling good they're heading there to fight steppenwolf and this is in the um power plant right Mm -hmm. like outside of moscow yeah. yeah 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 so yeah, and their plan is to Batman's going to go in, take out the tower defense system, and then they're going to, you know, dive in for a full-on frontal attack. And this was weird because, like, Bruce thought this was a suicide mission for like a while. Like when he goes in, he he makes it through the initial barrier, and like when he actually does take out the tower, it's he like stops responding on the radio and he's like you know just go like did he think he was gonna die right here i mean i kind of took it like he thought this might be a you know suicide mission for himself but i i mean i also when they're when he's not answering i just think he he crashed he's getting he's got he's getting his shit together and he's going to get the next vehicle and he's busy but (laughs) but i thought that the actual breaking of the barrier was a little too easy (laughs) i don't know but i guess it was so he shot through it it opened and he got through it and it closed again and then he was able to destroy the barrier which then started destroying the whole shield right yeah that's fine yeah Yeah. it it was an antenna takedown movie 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they did show, you know, his first attempt at blasting the shield open. It did open, but, you know, not for a long enough time. So he need just he said he needed to knock louder and just, you know, shot it way more, which, you know, I guess, I guess that's cool. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way you're going to be able to get in there. So, but I don't know. I liked it. I mean, just explosions everywhere and him just taking out like an unbelievable amount of parademons. That was sweet. He, you know, the barrier comes down and Wonder Woman looked over. It was like, all right, like, let's go. Like that's, that's when you know shit's about to go down. That's the equivalent of Ash turning his hat backwards. Like whenever <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, he's, it's about to go down. I was, I was just gonna say, uh, I don't know if it's this way for you guys, but after seeing so many, like our Batman is so realistic and you got like Matt Reeves, Batman, you know, punching people out and stuff. Seeing Batman fight aliens was like kind of bizarre for me yeah. when I watched mm-hmm. that. I was like, oh, this is just is so odd to think of this. Like just this rich dude who dresses up like a bat, just fighting some demons from a different universe. Like, yeah. How are we watching this right now? Yeah. That might be thought- his best fighting scene of all of Aflac, in my opinion, though, just like the choreogra- choreography of it. I just thought it was, he looked cool. He looked he pretty badass. I don't know. I feel like he, they didn't do a good job of showing this side of him in the first one. I felt. I agree. Yeah. Um, but another thing that happens right around this point is uh, Superman's about to show up, I think. But, you know, everyone's just messing people up. And Paul, just to bring it back to earlier, I think Steppenwolf says to Wonder Woman directly, like, you know, if you were there, uh, you could have stopped me. Everyone else died because, you know, he's just talking shit again to her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah only to her. It's and ridiculous. He, yeah. He's like, he's like, you're a cyber. You're cool, dude. Blast, you're good. <laughs> Batman, you're good, right? This Amazon, <laughs> f you. <laughs> I think yeah, what it seriously. is. I, I think I think Steppenwolf uh, legit hates the Amazons because if you think about how his first appearance with like sealing their mother box went, and you know then you think about who he views as equals, right? Mm-hmm. The Amazons probably gave him the most stuff. Like they sunk him into the water and he survived. You know, yeah. what I mean? yeah. so like. From a putting up a fight standpoint, uh, the, the Amazon was probably like he's like, oh shoot, like the other this, the, the fish man's on land. I can handle him, <laughs> you know. What yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the catalyst that when Superman showed up? Like, what was going on? Were they sort of losing? Was it that that, that, that was when to... um, he was about to swing? He was swinging his axe at Cyborg. Oh, yeah, Cyborg God, needed yes. that extra second. Yeah. Yes, and then Superman just tanks it on the shoulder, and he goes, "Not impressed." I loved yeah. that. Scene. Yeah, it was so badass. It was like when uh, Rebecca hit Luffy in Dressrosa, and the and the sword just broke. When yes. He, yeah, mm-hmm. it was that same kind of idea, and I was like, "Yep, I'm into this." I felt <laughs> so I felt so safe when Superman showed up. I'm like, you can let a breath out, like our boys here, and he just does not disappoint at all. I thought. It was just incredible, just him beating the shit out of Steppenwolf, just constantly just nailing him and just knowing that he's just going to keep kicking the shit out of him until their plan goes well. I just loved all of it. How do you watch this and not want a Man of Steel 2? You know? I know. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, such man. a good Superman. Yeah. He, you could honestly, it was, it was very well done because you could just tell in the way that he floated in front of everybody, the way that he punched, that he was just way stronger than everybody there. And it was like the John Wick effect. It's like, he's so cool because you know, he's like basically indestructible and just all powerful. And like, nobody can even stand a chance. That's why it's, it's just, he's, he's never going to lose. And I was a little surprised at 
because what, what's about to happen before Barry goes back in time is what what was it like the the, the box like explodes with cyborg kills them all right like what so the 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 issue was uh when the unity is happening the dark side's idea Steppenwolf's idea was that it was going to just nuke like destroy everything in the media area and so superman could not react fast enough to cyborg trying to hold the mother box together uh and so like it just neutralizes them uh and then barry is far enough from the outside of that initial blast zone to be able to do his like flashpoint move yeah and that was i thought the cgi for that was incredible like when he was just every step he was taking it was just earth was just like reconstructing under him thought that was awesome and he had the quote with his dad um i forget what it was i didn't write it down but be your own future something something along those lines where you know create your own future create your own past i think it was and then he says your son was some what does he say your son was one of them or your son the best yeah yeah something like that but it was awesome just the flash was such a pivotal part of this ending because I don't remember much about what happened at the very ending of the first Justice League. Like there was like a truck involved. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Paul, dude, it's so bad. <laughs> the yeah, what? Is so fucking bad. I mean, you obviously without Darkseid, the whole point is that you kill or you defeat Steppenwolf, and then it's over. I mean, that's why, especially when this happened, and I saw there's still like forty or thirty five minutes. I'm like, are we fighting Darkseid here? I can't. I don't remember. <laughs> Because he says, like, all right, we'll come back and do it the old way. And I'm like, wait a second. We got 35 minutes of, of Dark Side fight. Where the hell's Joker at? That's where I'm like, just sitting here. I'm waiting the whole time. Like, what's going on? <laughs> I thought oh. I thought the granny goodness was really cool being on Dark Side's left. Like, I was just like, there's so much left in this world to explore. Yeah. yeah. And, and Dark Side looks so freaking cool. He really does. He's so intimidating. And just the very end of this scene when Barry does save the day, basically going back in time. And they have that portal open when they're looking at Darkseid right there and like his whole army. And that was just so epic the way they all got in on that together where, you know, Aquaman stabs him with the trident and then Superman without even thinking just instantly runs up and just fucking punches him so hard in the face. And then Wonder Woman does the cool ass, you know, Spartacus style jump and just cuts his head off. Mm hmm. Yeah. Just enough so it flops into right in front of Dark Side, and it's wild because they're like thirty feet apart, even though like they're in completely different like universe. Mm-hmm. It was so sick, and they're all just like staring up, looking through the portal, like basically giving the middle finger, yes. saying like "fuck you," but luck <laughs> next time. And it's so it's so cool. Were we supposed to know who the lady was that was standing there with Dark Side? Yeah, that was granting goodness. We weren't supposed to know. Like, it was just a reference. So, like, if you understood who the character was. Okay. Uh, and she's just one of those, like, DC villains that are, like, you know, a, a top-tier person that starts running around and you get to meet her. I figured she had to be somebody. I just didn't and connect it. Wasn't also Desaad was there, too, right? I think that's his name. Mm-hmm. I, I hope yeah. I'm not wrong about that. Yeah. And so this is just a quick tangent question, because I was thinking this the entire movie whenever I saw him. Have you, you guys have seen um, Ready Player One, right? Or have you seen Yeah. It? Yeah, that was a good movie. That, yeah, is that who the guy that's the, the 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 comedic relief in Deadpool. I forget his actor's name. Do you know what I'm talking about? He's yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, bartender. He's from Silicon Valley, and right. Is isn't he name? in? Isn't he in? Um, Ready Player One. Isn't he that? Like, yeah, he's he's the CGI bad guy, the big, the big, the bruiser. Is that not Desaad? Like face for face? Like is that not? Oh, uh, I would have to look at it again. Oh, let he's me like, see. Oh, dang! Yeah, that's that's worth a Google. Yeah, 
I mean, every character in Ready Player One is pretty much pulled from something. So maybe that's just like a reference. I don't know. Well, TJ Miller. I'm sorry. I, I thought it was Tim Miller, but it's TJ Miller. Is the car is the actual actor? Right. Well, you know who Darkseid reminds me of is the alien from Lilo and Stitch, like the big bad bodyguard <laughs> on the rounded. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's who he reminded me of. <laughs> Sorry, I took us off on a weird tangent there, but I was thinking that the entire time. I mean, I could. I mean, I could see it. He's got like the he's got the hood. He's got the under. Yeah. Metal piece. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you can also see T.J. Miller's face in it, so it kind of freaks me out. <laughs> <laughs> All we got from Darkseid for the rest of the movie was, like, right after the portal closes, they're saying, like, you know, we're going back because the only thing we care about now is the anti-life matter equation, and the answer is there. So yeah. we know Darkseid's going to come back again, right? I mean, that's just the setup for... But he's happens. not, Paul, because it's not... It's done. <laughs> The Snyderverse is over. <laughs> That's dumb. So Restore the, the Snyderverse. Restore yeah. it. That would be sweet. I mean, if they're, if seriously though, if they're going to do the multiverse stuff and they obviously are with Flashpoint, why not just let the Snyderverse be a side thing? Cause yeah. you know, people will pay for it. You know, I, I guess it could be a little bit too confusing to be, to show like so many of the same actors in two different timelines or multiverse situations but i mean if you go the nightmare storyline because uh snyder said that his trajectory was to eventually get to that nightmare storyline mm-hmm. so that would be sweet oh my God, like, and that would be that. so that would be so different that you wouldn't get confused with whatever they also want to do i think uh to your point though with with the way that like Marvel and DC and like now Image as they've kind of been getting more popular with like Invincible and The Walking Dead and stuff, yeah. The the thing that I have been learning is that comic book movie studios have been teaching people how comic books work, and I think it'd be interesting if they were able to be like, hey, these are our different worlds. So yeah. these movies take place in this. Like if it's a hey, this is our red universe. You know, mm-hmm. if these movies have a red whatever you know these are all in the same timeline yeah Uh, stuff like that would be really interesting just i mean we had the ultimate comics and the regular 616 universe yeah so seeing that play out from a movie standpoint i think it could be really interesting and allow for that movement you know yeah the same thing as full metal right like where you'd have the same starting point but then you hit the point where it branches into full metal alchemist and full metal alchemist brotherhood and you know everyone loves brotherhood and i see the snyderverse being the brotherhood parallel (laughs) riding for that that's a dope reference yeah Yeah. but yeah man this was this was just i was so satisfied with the end of steppenwolf and just the way that the 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 team came together it didn't feel super forced it felt i thought the writing was good every single one of them got to shine in their own moments which is another point compared to the original justice league where it felt like they didn't have enough to do with for flash or sideboard because they cut all their backstories. They were just way less important. I just, I just felt it was the opposite here. Everything felt deserved and satisfying. Did you guys feel bad for seven wolf at all? Because, you know, we did get the backstory. He got like, basically he's getting shunned by his mm-hmm. people um, because they said he betrayed him. And did they ever explain why that was? why he initially gets shunned in the first place. I know he says like, once you conquer like 5,000 worlds or whatever it is. It was 50,000, I think. Right. But, but the thing I thought the point was that Steppenwolf said, like 
I killed all the traitors or I killed all the all the people trying to kill Darkseid. I mean, I I took it like he was trying to overthrow Darkseid. Like that's how I took it. Okay. See, I thought I thought that Steppenwolf was like like a not not lover from a romantic standpoint, but like he idolized Darkseid and was trying to like prove his value to him. Like uh essentially I was looking at Steppenwolf kind of like Zuko and Darkseid was uh you know Ozai is kind of the connection that I was looking at it. Not father son specifically, but just like one wanting to get the approval of the other. Yeah. Gotcha. No, I love it. That that's a great way to put it. I, and I'm I'm more in that mindset that Danny has right there. That's kind of how I took it. I mean, I definitely took it that way in the movie, but I just thought that with the first couple lines from whatever that guy, the side bro said to him, I thought that with him being shunned, like he did something wrong. That's what I was, you know. Yeah, yeah know. that's what I got too. And he was trying to prove himself to get back on to yeah. dark sides. Yeah. Good side. LOL. That's funny. Um, <laughs> but so like I did kind of feel bad, but at the same time, it's like, dude, you're committing genocide, killing everybody in this race. Nah, he's a bad guy, dude. Yeah. I didn't feel too bad when he was on um aquaman's trident and like he was like getting shish kebobbed i felt a little bad then <laughs> because it was like in front of everybody that he cared about they were all watching him get worked <laughs> on um oh but, you're totally being barney right now liking the bad guy instead of the, from the yeah. karate kid Honestly. yeah but yeah i i really like stefan wolf and satisfying ending like you're saying daniel is not the main character of the karate <laughs> <laughs> So another, uh, Cobra Kai, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> I need to watch that. Uh, another thing I saw just floating around just as one of those little Easter eggs of what was going on differently in Justice League Snyder Cut was, like we already said earlier, the, the armor is completely different for Steppenwolf. And it's sort of like the living metal. It reacts to things that in the when he's perceiving them. So the first time you see Darkseid through that like portal lava thing, he all of his armor just comes right off, right? Like it's kind of like he's being subservient, like he he knows his place. And yeah. something people pointed out is when Superman was kicking the shit out of him, and as soon as he lasers through his his horn, like his armor starts like retracting, like being like, okay, like this, yeah. he's like the know? he's like the dog. It's like a dog when you like put yeah, him there. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you're that's the master. The, they it. show you the belly. Yeah, <laughs> but I just thought that was an interesting point there. And Paul, did you feel bad when he lost his horn? Because that that's that's forever. <laughs> yeah man he's yeah. not getting that horn back bro i don't th- i don't think he's getting that head back either i, don't, I was gonna I say the, <laughs> the only time i felt bad for him was when dark side just crushes dude's head yeah, yeah you, like he he's probably still alive his eyes you, are still open can you imagine if they left him alive after the cutting the one side so he just had to walk around with a heavy <laughs> ass side of his head the whole time <laughs> yeah jesus this is the moment right at right after this scene is when i was like it's total. I have no unknown for me. I have no idea what they're going to show us next. Like I was like, I know the Joker has to be in this because I, I saw all this, the tweets and the news about it. I didn't know if there was going to be like some kind of quick dark side fight. Like I was like, we still have 35 minutes and I really don't know what they're going to put in here. Yeah. This, this part seven slash the epilogue is called a father twice over. And we just get the, the short term conclusions for each of the characters and where they're, ending this movie at and like how they're going to start preparing for the eventual reality when dark side gets there. So what we see is cyborg goes back and listens to his father's message. Um, that's kind of the narrative, the narrative voiceover for this whole end part. So he's just taking in the final words of his father. Basically we see Aquaman tell the Atlanteans that he needs to go to the surface and find his father. I believe we see flash tell his father, he's going to get a real job. 
Bruce starts building the Justice League Hall, like in in the mansion, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And then, um, and I think the last thing that happens is Bruce also buys the whole, you know, he buys the bank that owns the 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 Kent farmhouse. And then I think I think there is a little part in here where you see Lois holding the baby carriage or something like that. Just like a, there's there's something she's holding when she's walking into the house. Just more confirmation that they were going. Oh, back. really? I didn't even notice so, yeah. that. I thought I, it was just, that I thought they were just unpacking. But I, I mean, obviously, they showed her pregnancy test in the one scene, too. Mm-hmm. With Cyborg here, he does like he waves his hand and basically the recording device rebuilds itself. I understand that's just like a small scene, but it's, does he actually have that ability to basically control so. troll machines like that? Because that would be insane. Like you just I, wave I, your I, hand. I thought it was the time stone. Um. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's what he was. He was doing the hand motions. Um, but like, I mean, that scaled up to like a fucking robot, like to it was a night crawler. Yeah, like he could just fix it. Like the the ship that he was like, oh, she wants to fly. Like all, if all he has to do is like wave his hand, I know he can think and like shoot missiles just because of like you know hacking, but still, I th- I thought him waving his hand and the metal moving itself just to I build the little recording device was like all right, that's a little weird. If if I were to see a cyborg movie, I would want to see a villain that is a faster hacker than cyborg mm. is able to move and yeah. see someone hijack him. Oh, yeah, they would that'd be, be to, sweet. They'd be able to fight like in the internet too, like you know, like they it's would like a mind space heads. fight. Yeah, yeah yes, sweet. like yeah. Jarvis, Jarvis and Ultron when they were yeah. like Ultron yep. was zapping them and stuff like that. But, but Paul, so how I see it is when you see Cyborg become Cyborg when his dad uses the the mother box on him, it's basically the mother box power just. It it, it has that kind of animation of his body being created like how the 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 walkie talkie thing was created. I was going to say, they actually explain the mother box having the power to reanimate, recreate, and destroy yeah. things. So okay. just like with like the Vision or, yeah. or Wanda having part of that, you know, mother box be a part of his entity now, mm-hmm. his being or whatever, I guess that could make sense that he could do that. Yeah. So maybe, to, maybe it's like a smaller scale, you know, whatever. Just to emphasize the point that this is the strongest cyborg that I've ever seen. Like, this, this guy's ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. Um, other than that, the only other thing I was going to say about like these ending final scenes, and I'm stalling because I was trying to remember it. Now I can't remember it. You're so unprofessional, bro. <laughs> Fuck, dude. All right, sorry. Well, I want to talk about the nightmare sequence. Yeah, hold on. One more thing yeah. before we get there right. is just the last thing that happens in modern time is we see Lex Luthor broke out of the prison and then he basically hires Deathstroke to come on and, and hunt Batman. And Danny, I want to ask you specifically of without biasing you of what we think about Lex Luthor, what do you think about his actor and like how he's portrayed both in the last two movies for Superman and what you think he would be doing going forward? I think uh, this is one of the most um, egregious examples of, of uh, miscasting that I've seen <laughs> in my life. I think he would make a perfect Riddler. I think as a oh, Riddler, yeah. I he agree. would kill it. Um, but I, I think the issue is, and 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 I'm going to kind of talk about this a little bit when we talk about the Joker, because uh, I think that 
in this example, it works well. But this is a case where the iconic villain and the iconic hero are mismatched. Like they don't feel like they came from the same universe. Mm -hmm. And in this case, to me, it feels like it clashes. Whereas I think with Joker and Batman in this particular film, I think that mismatch actually makes it seem better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, yeah, I, I I struggle with him. He just felt too Weasley to me. He didn't feel like Lex Luthor to me. Did you, did any of you guys get to see John Cryer's uh, Lex Luthor in, so far? Uh, I saw it on Infinite and uh, Crisis. Yeah, Infinite. Yeah, how how did he do? He wasn't awful to me. Yeah, he he didn't like blow me away. Yeah, I mean, I have Kathleen. You know, for the podcast listeners, Kathleen loves the CW, Arrowverse, all that stuff. So I could ask her too. But yeah, I, I obviously knew he got cast, and I saw a picture of him what he looked like but i haven't seen his actual portrayal so yeah so there's not really much to go on there that just this sets up the deathstroke to appear in the nightmare dream sequence right so what this and i'm not going to pretend to know the guy joe whatever joe, his last joe name manchelliano is. joe yeah. manchelio but my god i love that guy he's so good yeah. and he he played honestly for only having you know eight lines played a really good deathstroke Right, he would have right. been he would have been a really cool deathstroke. This this last scene is it's going to be a little bit longer so we could take our time with this one but it's basically just Bruce is having a dream of no. the future. You don't know if it's like an alternate version of the future or what's going to happen eventually. We kind of been saying meta wise like Snyder says this is where it was going. And I I know a lot of people had some criticisms online about Jared Leto and stuff like that but I don't know. I'm pretty surface level when it comes to Joker. I'm just in like yeah. And more Joker and I, I just love the whole conversation. I thought it was a very unique take on those two characters and just getting to see him talk like they're poking fun at, at each other about Harley Quinn and Robin. I just loved all that. I've always thought that Jared Leto, if he had had the right script and the right director, he could pull out a really solid Joker performance. I've always felt that way. Agreed. Uh, and in this case, uh, I think that kind of to reference what I was talking about with Lex Luthor and Superman, like the idea that we had this Joker who was so very different from this age old Batman and had and, and really called him out. He was like, why would you send the boy wonder mm-hmm. to do this? You can't kill me. So you knew I was going to kill him because that kid wasn't going to be able to kill me. Right. Like that was so insidious to me uh, and and made that connection really highlight that almost like paradox that Bruce Wayne has where it's like, yes, I'm the guy protecting everybody until I send an orphan out here to do what I can't do, you know? And, and so I thought that was really successful. And plus the concept of like a potential sequel being called Zack Snyder's injustice just uh, killed me. I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, Jared Leto, I think, is so, so good. And I totally agree with you, Danny. If he would have get, been given the right opportunity, he would have killed it as the Joker. I don't know how much was for uh, for Suicide Squad was his decision. Obviously, we know a lot of it got cut. I thought it was not good, Suicide Squad Joker. I'm I'm very happy that he doesn't have, what is he, what was it, broken or something? It was damaged. Damaged, damaged over his, like, the tattoos and shit. It, it's it's crazy. This DC universe is unbelievable because like you think about Harley Quinn. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, she's so good. Like yeah. she is so good. And then but the Joker, someone who is her counterpoint and is so important. They bring him into Suicide Squad. They make him you, you don't even need him in that movie. Like 
you don't have to put them in there that you do put them in there and you make them like, I, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's just, you know, not great. So the fact that they almost got like a redo, I'm always going to love Heath Ledger's Joker. I, I He's the goat right now. Um, yeah. I, I was fine with Jared Leto's Joker. Like I, I enjoyed what he did. I thought it was really cool. All the, the, the shields that he had on yeah. it, all the badges that he had. Yep. At some point, it's t- it's tough. Like, when are you being cliche and when are you actually doing something new and when are you being good at acting for the joke? But I, I thought that he was – I thought he was really good and, and it interested me enough that I wish I could see more. Definitely. His evil cackle and laugh and the cadence of his, like, little like, – ah, 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 yeah, like, yeah. that was but really good. I, all, I I have to, all I have to say is that when the Suicide Squad debuted their trailer at Comic-Con, and he does the thing where he's getting ready to see. He's like, "Oh, I'm not gonna hurt you, or I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just gonna hurt you really, yeah, really yeah, bad." And then yeah. it shows his laugh, and the whole place exploded with applause. I lost my shit, and the and the bar was so high. And then obviously, the Suicide Squad comes out, and not not everyone's happy with it. Most people aren't happy with it, and you get that bad taste in your mouth. Even Jared Leto himself is pissed about Suicide Squad. So mm-hmm. I wish he could have another chance. I mean, I love the Joker movie itself. It's almost confirmed pretty much that that won't get any kind of tie in. Yeah. So, so I have a question for you guys. If Jared Leto's Joker had only appeared in this film in this capacity, what would your thoughts be on him? I thought it okay. would have been high. Honestly. I would be in. I would yeah. be in. I would I would have said he's not Heath Ledger, but I would be in. I thought the black teeth was a little much. Just like everything in his mouth is just pitch oh, black. See, I thought that was just dark red. I thought that was just all dark red. I, like, I thought his teeth black. were like straight up black. Um, other than that, I, I loved it. I thought it was really I good. He his, was by his, far the scariest, right? We can all agree. Mm-hmm. I feel like the creepiest, like scary enemy. And I, I like that take on it. But yeah, I also, I just enjoyed everything about this scene. I'm pretty, I'm probably too biased to give an honest answer about this because I just thought, the, the the mental battle that they were having going on and then when he starts like shaking his hand freaking out about harley quinn for like a split second i thought all those mini mannerisms did it for me like i was, I was obvious like, and obviously the make no mistakes and dropping the f-bomb i'll f and kill you yeah you yeah. know that was a big moment for ben affleck's batman because it's a little little yeah. little much bro Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me set some quick context for what what is happening here just for anyone listening in but like we have batman with a gun we got uh, older Flash. We have Cyborg, and then we also have Mira. Mira, right? Yeah, yeah. Mira. Those are the only four that are in this scene. And basically, Paul, for what you missed, there's a lot of nightmare scenes. I think littered throughout the first two movies, Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman. There's a couple of them in there, and some really good, you know, analysis by the audience. What you see is that anytime you see the nightmare sequence, there's a lot of times where you you see that card, the truce card that Joker gives Batman where like it'll be like slapped on the side of his gun and you just don't really know why it's there but you find out here like what the purpose of that is and like at one point you see the card ripped in half just in the corner of a, of a room which you're just supposed to assume that that's the most futuristic nightmare sequence because the the truce is off with yeah. Batman and Joker so there's a lot that goes on you know you can just do a quick google search yourself but I thought all the nightmare sequences were shaping up to be a really good future for the Snyderverse um, yeah of course like the whole thing is set up about I'm not sure how explicit it is and how much you know and how much I know from reading, but it's all just this future is set in motion by Batman letting Lois Lane die and then mm-hmm. Superman going crazy and basically getting converted to Darkseid's team naturally instead of him having to control him. 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I guess we're supposed to assume, I, I was reading in, up into this, like when Cyborg touches uh, or he starts the putting it in motion when they're bringing Superman back and he starts to see flashes of things mm-hmm. that could happen in the future, that was supposed to be also part of the, of the timeline, yep. the nightmare timeline. So he was, and Snyder himself said that whether it's dreams or not, it, it was going to come to fruition. And, you know, someone made, a cool observation when they show the scene where Bruce is supposedly sleeping and then you see flash come in and say, find us. And it wakes And then he wakes up and he's like, Oh shit, I got to find the just justice league. When he wakes up, the pages, the papers are still moving in the background, like flying around like they were when flash was coming in and out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how like when the wind will move, the breeze will move. So that's why people were saying it wasn't actually a dream. It was just some kind of, it was it actually happened, you know. It, it actually did happen at that moment. Um, but it, but doesn't he say in that scene specifically? Doesn't he say find Lo or Lois is the key? I thought that was yeah. That. He says Lois is the key, and then he says find us. Gotcha. I think what's interesting with Flash and playing around with time is that as time starts unraveling, different things can reverberate. So you could even build off of this nightmare concept in the flashpoint film. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like everything that they've been doing as he, you know, reconstructed everything during the mother box time, all these have reverberations. So if Bruce Wayne is like feeling this, it's almost like the timelines are crossing over and he's the pivot, the central aspect of that. Yeah. So this is another question that I have for you guys. And I don't want to get too like into the rabbit hole here, but when, when this was going to be the Snyder verse and it didn't get kind of rewritten was suicide squad was going to be canon with it. Right. All of this was supposed to be canon. Yeah. So how come Joker looks different? I mean, I'm fine with him having the long hair and stuff, but why doesn't he have the tattoos? If, if it's supposed to be the same Joker, if we're proving that it wasn't actually, isn't a dream, it's going to be the future of that timeline. I don't know, but I like it. It was probably just fan service. I mean, it could be paint. He could be wearing paint over the tattoos. That's fine. I'm just wondering, like... I was going to say, I know it's been a significant amount of time. Like, we saw that there were cuts on his face that we couldn't figure out what it was. But I would assume, like, he could make his face look like whatever, you know? Yeah. Who's to say he didn't just take another acid bath? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So, Bruce Wayne wakes up from this nightmare, and then Martian Manhunter makes another appearance. And what what was this setup supposed to be? He was just going to say he was basically introducing himself to Batman saying like, hey, like I'm going to be around. He says like, oh, I've been called many things, but, you know, people happen to call me Martian Manhunter. Pretty much like, hey, I'll see you in Justice League 2. Yep. That's all it was. Yeah. Okay. To, to me, I think that if you had taken Martian Manhunter out of the Lois Lane scene from earlier, this would essentially function as the post credit scene. Like yeah. I count the nightmare and Martian Manhunter as this isn't relevant to this movie specifically, like the day is saved or whatever. But after the credits roll, we see this and it's like, Hey, justice league Two, Martian Manhunter's here. And essentially like the, the universe has been opened up to you. Like, like we recognize that earth is going to be a thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's very, it's it's a ridiculous tease that they sent out this Snyder verse and gave us any of the nightmare stuff for the epilogue just because we know as of right this second they're saying the Snyder verse is not going to be a thing so nightmare will not be a thing either so we get to see all this and then it's like sorry sorry bro. no more yeah yeah sorry bro justice league really boosted hbo's numbers and dominated pop culture 
I think it would be extremely foolish to not have a follow-up to this. And what I was thinking about was, even if it's not Zack Snyder, because I'm sure this was like his his life's work in up to this point, and it was you know emotionally tied in. To me, I could see a Whedon to Russo's pass off. If you could find someone who is as passionate about these characters, willing to take them on these journeys, even without Zack Snyder, you could deliver on a future film, Justice League 2 or 3, that delivers on this and is an epic adventure stemming from the Snyder Cut. I would be in for that. I'll be fully in for that. Yeah. I just want an evil Superman so badly, like more than just a quick fight. I just think that's awesome. Just how he shows up and like they basically know they're all dead. He just shows up on the on the bridge right there. Was I supposed to know that it was going to be Superman that shows up when they said he found us? I mean, I thought it was going to be dark side. I didn't really know. I didn't know. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about Superman for whatever reason. My now that we're talking about evil Superman, this is definitely nitpicking. But when I saw that they were going to bring the black suit back, I just assumed that that was going to be for when he's evil in in this nightmare part. Like I, I didn't. I thought like if he joins Dark Side, he has the black suit. I'm bad. You know, when you come back and you're the good guy, you're wearing blue and red. You know, that's kind of what I assumed, but. So I actually have the Death of Superman comic. I should grab it out one of these days. Um, but in that comic, he comes back in the black suit. Like that's his resurrection. Okay. Um, and so that was more of an homage to that. Uh, but it was interesting to see the blue and red be when he was in the nightmare sequence. Yeah. So I'm like, that's that's the all-American Superman. Yeah. And that's the bad guy. So it's like, he's he's terrifying for the world as the symbol of hope. So yeah. I think that's why that worked for me. But I think the reason why I thought Superman, because I felt Superman was going to show up at the end. And that was because when Mara was like, you know, he, I'll never forgive him for what he did to Arthur or whatever. Um, I was like, who would do that that she would have to forgive? Like Darkseid, why would she even like hint right. at forgiving? Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah, so good point. Like, it had to be someone that they knew. Damn, man, I was so satisfied with this nightmare sequence, and it's just such a shame that that's just going to be a dead end, most likely, hopefully not. But I think, uh, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much the movie. If we want to just go around roundtable real quick, final thoughts, maybe a quick rating of what you what you consider it, and then we can get out of here. I know we're approaching two hours, if not a little bit more. Yeah, over it. <laughs> yeah, we're just very passionate subject. Um, I'll go first, uh, just... You know, like I said before, my exposure to this is this is pretty much it besides, you know, the Wonder Woman's and Aquaman. And I got to say, I absolutely loved it. I'd say like, you know, eight and a half, eight point seven five. It, it's mm-hmm. really up there. It was a long four hours, but at the same time, it didn't really feel like a full four hours. So, you know, it was entertaining and the time mm-hmm. flew by. Altogether, Zack Snyder cut, definitely a really good movie for me that I would 100% watch again. Yeah, I definitely re- really enjoyed it. I don't know if I had any kind of bias based on the fact that so far, for the most part, all of these DC movies, I just take the DC universe until Wonder Woman and Aquaman. I just took it as a dumpster fire. I didn't really like as much of you know Man of Steel, Dawn of Justice. I obviously didn't like the older Justice League. So comparing to all of that, I mean nine you know i really liked it but and i don't even know if that bias is why i'm saying that because i did enjoy it i found myself sitting here right before the movie starts and i know it got good reviews people that i trust told me that it was good but i was sitting here thinking four hours man i've seen plenty of three four hour movies like the irishman lately things like that where i'm like okay 
Am I, do I need to take a break? You know, but I was sitting here like, it's like you're binging four episodes of an hour long show. I was ready to keep just going and going and going. I had no problem binging the whole thing. So yeah, I, I rave review for it. I, I, I enjoyed it. All right. I can go next. We can end strong with Danny. So you guys pretty much just nailed it. Like I would straight up give it like an eight and a half. That's probably what my rating is. I thought it was incredible. Um, I, maybe it's because the bar was so damn low, but it, yeah. it was just on its face. I just loved it. I loved everything about it. Cyborg was the highlight of it. Like I did not think I was going to walk away being in love with him, but he was, he was great. And his character forever, the head canon I have of Cyborg is forever changed. And just the way Ray Fisher portrayed him, I thought he did a great job. The one criticism I will say is I kind of expected Superman to have a little bit more dialogue. And, you know, like I'm thinking this whole time, like I can't wait to see Henry Cavill. Like he's, he's my boy. So to see that not a lot of, like he did get all the new stuff in the, in the finale when he's kicking the shit out of Steppenwolf, but a lot of the other stuff didn't feel new and he wasn't speaking a lot. So that's pretty much my criticism, but it needed to happen to, to shine a light on the other side characters. So overall incredible movie. I watched it twice over the last week so that's eight hours of justice league and i fucking loved it i thought it was great so danny take us home yeah uh so like you guys i really enjoyed it uh i'm I'm gonna give it i'm gonna get i don't know if i'm gonna do an eight or an eight and a half it's somewhere in between for me um and i think what my critique is i actually wish that it had remained a miniseries uh i saw that it had been separated into parts and the reason why i say that is because while i have no problem with four-hour films I think seeing this from a week to week basis, like especially coming off the high of WandaVision and going into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, a weekly check-in with these guys as they like led up to uh, Superman's resurrection and like then ending with this, I think it could have been really, a really crazy, like two months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and so like, I, I, there's, there's a part of me that wishes that, but I think the highlight of the film for me, honestly, was uh, Bruce Wayne. I just really enjoyed everything that they were doing with him. I like seeing an older Batman. I liked his connection with, um, you know, Joker. And then the ending tease where Martian Manhunter essentially is telling like Bruce, like what you did here is going to matter in, you know, the, the universe you've, you've made a ripple. That was really exciting for me. So I, I, I really enjoyed it. I would absolutely watch it again. Awesome, man. That sounds like a thumbs up from all four of us. And I'm happy to hear it because I was just so nervous I just thought there was a, such a good chance that it was going to flop. People were going to freak out. But the fact that it is a pretty much a hit with the fans means that we have a voice. You know, if there's if we know as audience members the true like heart of a project and we know what needs to be done, we can have an impact. And it was awesome that we kind of as a community came together and made this happen. I think it definitely made history as this is one of the first times in pop culture, I feel like, where the fans' voice was able to make such a remake possible. Like, you don't do remakes because that means you messed up in the beginning, and no big company wants to actually admit that. But the fact that they were able to get this done, now they're like, there's memes and jokes everywhere saying, like, oh, like, Game of Thrones, like, mm. Season 8 Snyder Cut, like, all this other stuff, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so I think it, it will have an effect in history in the movie realm, but I loved it. Yeah. So I think that does it. Um, Danny, dude, thank you so much for joining us. It was a lot of fun. We probably could not have done this nearly as well without your DC knowledge, but hundred percent agreed. Yeah. If you want to take a second, plug your podcast, plug your YouTube channel, whatever you want to do, go ahead. 
Yeah, cool. Uh, guys, uh, definitely thank you for having me on the pod. I love Binge Town. Uh, definitely glad that we finally made this work. I know we've been talking about it for a while. Uh, but yeah, guys, I run a YouTube channel called Fate of the Internet. Um, I'm getting my podcast uh, reworked right now, but it's the Yellow Cap Jukebox. Uh, so, and that's on Spotify and Apple Music. Uh, but yeah, I talk about stuff, same things like these guys, uh, WandaVision, The 100, uh, you know, just anything i like i like to talk about some of the lesser known shows and then of course i'm a big comic book geek so love love all that and then of course one piece is my favorite story of all time so i gotta i gotta shout that one out so yeah be there a man of culture man a man of we, culture we vibe 100 danny you have a open invitation whenever you want to come back on the pod man it, it was mm-hmm. it was great to have you on oh heck yeah same for the youtube i'll, I'll have you guys on we'll, we'll do a talk about something sounds good boom so that will just about do it for us, guys. A huge thank you to Danny, a.k.a. Fate of the Internet, for joining us today and keeping us enlightened with all the DC comic knowledge that we were so desperately lacking over here at Town TV. We loved this movie, and it was a blast to review with him. We'll definitely be looking to work with Danny again sometime soon, possibly on something The 100-related, but we'll keep you guys updated on that. But as always... If you like what you heard, give Bingetown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Once again, we are Bingetown TV, and thank you so much for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.